make a Sunday night service attendance really low. One is you're in the middle of a pandemic. And so that's going to make attendance really low. And then you have the wet, windy weather, and that also makes attendance low. But those aren't the two things that make attendance the lowest. It's when the front door won't open. And so, so many of you here tonight, I'm glad you found your way into the building. The, the, I'm sure there will be someone to fix that tomorrow, but I'm glad that you're here with us this evening, and, and I know a lot of folks are watching online tonight. This evening, we are talking about what God sees in a leader. You know, when we start thinking about a leader, we probably have a list of things that we want. If we're thinking about a president, for example, there's probably a list of things we want. If we're looking for a quarterback for our football team, there is a list of things that we want. Maybe a certain height, a certain speed, arm strength, all those things we look at. But it's interesting that when God chooses a leader, more times than not, his leaders don't look like our leaders. You remember whenever the people, we talked about Saul a few weeks ago, the first king of Israel, the one that the people chose, and it appears the, the main reason that, Paul, that Saul got to be the king was that he was taller than everybody else. Oh, you think that would be a good leader. You got a tall guy. No, he just has more of a chance of being shot in battle, right? Because he sticks up over everybody. But that's what people see. And sometimes what we see isn't at all what God sees. And so tonight we're continuing on with this little series through the Old Testament and thinking about leadership and how God uses leaders. And we remember that in one way or another that every one of us is a leader. It's not just for those who are elders or those who are teachers or whatever you may be. It's that all of us are leading someone by example, at least, if not even by our words. And so Samuel sets out tonight to anoint a new king. And so it's going to be important for Israel to have a new one. God did not want this new, this new way of leading his people. He didn't want that. He wanted to stay in the role he was in, and God did, but the people didn't see that, obviously. And so it will be important that the right king is chosen, and I can only imagine what must have been going through Samuel's mind. Because Samuel understands that responsibility. In many ways, Samuel is the man that stands between God and the people. And so Samuel is the man who at night won't be able to sleep because he's thinking about what is the next chapter going to look like? What will that man look like? Like many of you in your jobs, maybe you have responsibility. We're the elders of this congregation. What is it we're doing in that next step? And so surely Samuel's thinking about that. And he has already seen what a debacle Saul has been even at this point. So surely he's thinking, we want to do a little better than we did last time. So what is that going to look like? So you remember that Samuel goes to Jesse and Jesse's sons showed promise. Now we don't know just a whole lot about Jesse. Jesse obviously had to be a good man, and he was a man that other people thought had a good reputation, and he was a man that, that, that Jesse thought, well, maybe this is where we can find a king that not only can lead the people, but we can find a king that loves God and puts God first. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 7, we pick up there, <clears throat> excuse me, and it says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. We've already gone through the height. For I have rejected him. 
The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks at something totally different than, uh, than we look at. God's ways are different than our ways. And we know that, but it's so hard to believe it sometimes, isn't it? Because we want things so badly. We see what's shiny and what sparkles, and we say, that's what I want. And God says, that's not what's good. But I want it. Don't you see, Lord? Don't you see? And sometimes our prayers are like that. But God sees something different than we see. We get distracted and we miss the heart sometimes. So first of all, these, Eliab comes out, Jesse's son, his oldest son. You're going to find out that all the sons are going to come out. But Eliab comes out, and obviously Eliab is tall, and he's probably strong and handsome, and that looks like the kind of person that you could put on a promotional picture. He's going to make us look good when we go against our, against our enemies. He's probably good on a horse, and he's going to look good to people whenever he stands up, and we're going to say, this represents Israel. And God just flatly says no to Eliab. Now, he's not saying no because he's a tall guy. God isn't saying no because he's good-looking, if he is. He's not saying no because he doesn't look like a king. He's saying no because God knows his heart. And God can see the heart that sometimes we can't see. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 8 through 10, Then Jesse called Abinadab, and he had him pass in front of Samuel. Wouldn't you hate for your name to be Abinadab? But Samuel said, the Lord has chosen, has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. God's ways are far, far from ours. I wonder what Samuel was going through. Now, Samuel is talking to God, and Samuel, I'm sure, feels responsibility as he's there and to show God, so to speak, the way maybe he was thinking of it, the ones who could be the king. And there he is standing in front of, of Jesse's sons, and, and so he has Eliab come out. Okay, this is going to be the one. Maybe there was some nervousness in Samuel as he's thinking about looking at the next king, and God says, nope, not him. Oh. So now Abinadab comes out. Now, maybe it's Abinadab. He walks out. Nope, not him. And then Shema comes out. Well, surely it's going to be this guy. Surely it's going to be Shema. I mean, we're down to door number three, right? And God says, not him. And now number four, number five. Hey, you got any more back there in the back room? Any more sons? Six, seven, none of them. Who would have ever thought? Wouldn't you maybe have become a bit desperate at that point or you would have been thinking that way? Have you ever gone to look for something, maybe for a car or for a house, and finally after a while you decide to settle on something because you think, well, I can't get everything I want, but I'm tired of looking? Could it have been that Samuel, if Samuel wouldn't have been talking to God, he could have said, well, let's just settle on this one. Let's just settle on him. But God doesn't settle. God says it's not any of those men. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 11 through 13. So 
he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? <laughs> there is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had him brought in. He was, he was, um, excuse me, he was glowing with health and he had a fine appearance and handsome features. Wow, now this is interesting because it appeared that you remember Abinadab, he's tall, and God says, don't look at his features, but now this guy walks in, David, and we thought, well, you know, David, and he's good looking. I really relate. But anyway, he was really a good looking guy. And he walks in, and God looks at him, and God already knows who he is, obviously. But I can only imagine what Jesse's thinking. Surely you don't want the kid who's out in the field. Surely you don't want my, my little one. Don't you want the brothers who have grown up by now? Surely this isn't what you're thinking of. First in, in 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 13, Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel went from there to, to Ramah. God often chooses the least. Now I want you to understand what made David great was not his looks. And it was not even his ability to kill a bear like he could. And it wasn't his ability to, to, to be a shepherd or play the harp or any of those other things. What made, God, what made David important and what made David strong is that David had the power of the Lord given to him. It's always the Lord that makes us strong. Now, it's easy for us to sometimes think that it's us. But it's always the Lord that gives us the power. God often chooses the least. We talked about Gideon just a few weeks ago. Remember Gideon who's down there and he's threshing his wheat down in a hole in the ground because he's afraid. And God says, you're the, 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 the angel from God said, you're the one, not me. I'm the least. My family's the least and I'm the least in my family. And God says, exactly. You're the one. Because God's power could be seen by choosing the least of the least. It was really the nation of Israel was the least. Now, maybe Israel didn't want to think about themselves as nothing, but God took them from nothing through Abraham and through Sarah and then finally through Isaac, that they were nothing, the least of the nations, and God said, I will make you into a great nation, not that you will make yourselves into one, but that I will make you into a great nation. There's another important lesson, I think, tonight that we learn in this little lesson and maybe one reason why he chose David. And that's that people need shepherding. Now, we all like to think of ourselves as being independent, don't we? But we all need a little guidance, all of us. All of us need someone to encourage us and prod us along. It's part of the reason that we meet together. Back Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, that's part of the thing about meeting together because we need to be set on course. It's the whole thing about bearing each other's burdens, that we encourage each other to do the right thing, that we help each other, we call each other on the carpet sometimes, that we work together. It's part of what God has called us to be, to not live this life independently. If you're thinking, I just want to live independently and I don't want anybody to tell me Anything to, anything to do, then you are not living the way God called you to live. 
God called us to be shepherded. God, and what that means is to direct us toward the right food, the spiritual food, and to prod us along and to correct us sometimes. He's called us into shepherded, to be shepherded. And so he called on a man, for example, like Moses. Isn't it interesting that God did not call Moses at the burning bush until Moses had spent enough time out in the, out in the wilderness as a shepherd, God didn't call him to lead his people. After he had the experience, not just in the palace, but the experience as a shepherd, then God said, I want you to go back and lead my people. There's something powerful about what he was learning when he was in the desert in that wilderness experience. Maybe as he sat there with his own thoughts, as he would watch the, the sheep and lead them from one place to another, learn to take care of them, learn to tend them whenever they're hurt, learn to, to care for them. And then he also picks another shepherd here. He picks David. Shepherds weren't always well-liked. They weren't always looked upon as being good people. And God chooses a shepherd to lead his people. He didn't pick the warrior, although David becomes a warrior. He doesn't pick the man who makes the tools. He doesn't pick the, 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 the man who, who works in, in textiles. He picks the shepherd, the one who's already been working with sheep. He says, now I want you to work with people and lead a nation. Now, here's another thing about the way God's mind works, because that would not be the way that we would choose someone, that David didn't become king for another 15 to 20 years. Isn't that funny? God anoints him. He knows who he is, who, who he will be. But for 15 to 20 years, he's in training. If you went to a job and they put you in training... And they said, we're going to have you in training for a while. You would think, okay, well, maybe for two weeks I'll train and then I'll get the job. And that doesn't happen. And then you go, well, it's, boy, I've been here for a month. And they said, that's okay. Yes, you've been here a month. You've only got about 19 years and 11 months to go. Wouldn't you be a little bit frustrated by that? God was training, bringing up David, the shepherd, so that he would be ready to lead the people and if you go ahead and read the rest of the book, you'll find out that what David went through in the next chapters is just overwhelming because Saul hated him. Saul was after him, wanting to kill him. But all that was training so that he would be ready to lead the people. Well, my question for us tonight is, will I let God lead me? Sometimes we get excited about being Christians and we're so excited. Maybe, maybe you've come to know Jesus. Somebody invited you to church or invited you to study the Bible and you get excited and you're baptized and you start going and everything goes your way and you've got a good job and, and everybody in your family's healthy and everything's great and then all at once it's not what you thought it was and you, you're upset. And he said, I'm going to leave God. Most people don't just say, I'm going to leave God. Usually what they say is, I'm not going to go to church anymore, or I'm not going to pray, or they stop praying, or whatever it may be. But they eventually, ultimately, leave God. What they didn't realize is all along, they weren't being led by God. What they were doing was just following the flock that was being led by God. Things don't always work out the way we want them to. 
There's that old country song, and you know that if I were at a little small congregation out in the country, every single sermon would have a country song in it. They all apply somehow. If you want to talk about Charlie Pride afterwards and his death, we can. But there's that old God, that old Garth Brooks song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. You remember that one? And yes, God answers all prayers. Yes, no, or maybe I know that, but that's the name of the song. And in that song, he runs into his old girlfriend at the football game. Now, it's based on a true story, and he really ran into her at a craft show, but that would make a bad country song. And so he runs into her at the football game, and he's there with his wife, and he realizes, wow, if I would have married her, things would have been a lot different. And his song is, thank God for unanswered prayers. There have been times in my life when I have thought that I knew the answers, and I've realized I didn't. Things didn't turn out the way I thought, just like with you. And I've had to trust God through those times. Now, it doesn't mean that I always like what happens. I don't. But almost every time I can look back in retrospect and say, thank you, Lord, for leading me through it. It wasn't good. I didn't like it. I don't want to go back there. But, Lord, you have been my shepherd through this. So maybe tonight you want to hear the voice of that shepherd and be baptized into Jesus and have your sins washed away and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and be a part of his kingdom. You can do that tonight. And if you're watching, we have a lot of folks online. Write to us and we'll share wherever you need, you're close to, someone that will baptize you. And maybe it's that you need prayers. Prayers for health. Prayers for healing. Prayers because it feels like prayers aren't being answered. Write to us at elders at mcoc.org and people will pray for you. The elders will pray for you. The church will if you want it to be public. We want to follow God. Come tonight as we stand and sing.